In 19th century Scotland, there lived a man with an amazing amount of promise and potential. Everyone around him readily agreed the young man was destined for greatness. Everything seemed to be going well for him, and, and the sky seemed to be the limit for this promising young man gifted for greatness. But while engaged to be married, he was suddenly hospitalized. It was discovered this young man full of promise and potential was suffering from a degenerative eye disease, which would eventually leave him blind. Consequently, his fiancée broke their engagement, and in so doing, broke the young man's heart. His world was shattered. But George Matheson, blind and broken, chose to lift his heart above the storm to the one who rules and reigns above the storms. The comfort he found in the arms of God led him to pen these words of comfort and hope. I want to share them with you. O love that will not let me go, I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean depths its flow may richer, fuller be. O joy that seekest me through pain, I cannot close my heart to thee. I trace the rainbow through the rain, and feel the promise is not vain, that morn shall tearless be. I want you to lock in on that single phrase, I trace the rainbow through the rain. From the depths of despair, George Matheson traced the rainbow of God's grace through the torrential storms of his own personal pain. All of us experience storms in life. In fact, it has been said that every human being is either going into a storm, at that very moment in the midst of a storm, or just coming out of that storm. Some of these storms we understand. When we suffer pain because of our poor choices, we at least know the wounds are self-inflicted. We brought the suffering on ourselves. But what do we do when we suffer for doing what is right? When we do the right things in the right ways for the right reasons, and as a result of our seeking to honor God, we get hammered. The wind blows, the rain falls, and everything in our lives that is not nailed down seems to come apart. If you will recall, in a previous study, we talked about the context of this precious epistle. And you will remember, the first letter of Peter was written to men and women desperately trying to trace the rainbow of God's grace through their own personal pain. They were suffering greatly. And they were asking, where can we find hope in the midst of suffering? And Peter reminds them and he reminds us 
Hope is found in the one who suffers for us. Twelve times in this epistle, Peter refers to the suffering of Jesus Christ. And the conquest of Christ in the face of his suffering ought to encourage you and me in the midst of our suffering. We continue our study through 1 Peter in the third chapter. 1 Peter chapter 3, and we pick it up in verse 18. I want to read the whole text to you, and then we'll begin walking through it phrase by phrase. 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning with verse 18. For Christ also died for sins, once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which also he went and made proclamation to the spirits now in prison, who once were disobedient when the patience of God kept waiting in the days of Noah during the construction of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Corresponding to that, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, but an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, having gone into heaven after angels and authorities and powers had been subjected to him. Over and over and over again throughout our study, we have discussed the importance of context. Context is the key to understanding, applying, and appreciating the Word of God. So let us take just a moment to review the context of this precious letter. Remember, the Apostle Paul was writing to believers who were experiencing tremendous suffering as a result of their personal faith in Jesus Christ. This letter was written in or around 64 AD. The reigning emperor Nero had made it his personal mission to exterminate Christianity from the face of the earth. Many believers were snatched off the streets and dragged to the Colosseum where they would become appetizers for the lions. As I previously shared with you, one of Nero's most famous, heinous forms of torture was to roll believers in wax, impale them on stakes, and use them to light his rose garden at night. This was the kind of suffering these believers were enduring. They needed help, and they needed hope. Where in the world could they find hope in the midst of such overwhelming pain? And Peter reminds them, hope is found in the one who suffered for them. The example of Christ reminds all of us that hope is often born out of overwhelming tragedy, out of the irritation of a single grain of sand the pearl is produced, out of the unrelenting pressure upon carbon a diamond is formed, and out of the pain and suffering of the cross came our salvation. Our standing 
with God was forged in the suffering of that cross. And the conquest of Christ in the face of his suffering encourages every single one of us in the face of our suffering. Look at verse 18. Let's just lock in on verse 18 for a little while. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. Peter offers a wonderful reminder of the price Jesus paid to purchase our salvation. We have right standing with God, not because of who we are, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Our salvation was born out of his suffering. Jesus suffered like no man ever has suffered or ever will suffer. He lived his entire life in the shadow of the cross. From the moment of his birth to the moment of his death. Every step he took was in the shadow of that cross and was a step toward that cross. He lived every moment of every day with the imminence of the cross in his heart and on his mind. He experienced the scourging, the cat of nine tails prior to the cross. 39 times that cat of nine tails was hurled into his back. Pieces of flesh were ripped away. Blood flowed freely. A crown of thorns was pressed upon his perspiring brow. Roman spikes were driven through his hands and his feet. And the Son of God was lifted between heaven and hell as if fit or neither. What incredible suffering. What, what incredible sorrow. And yet out of that sorrow, out of that suffering, came overwhelming victory. And Peter reminds us his suffering was sufficient. Verse 18, for Christ also died for sins. Look at the next phrase, once for all. Once was enough. The cross of Christ would never need to be repeated or reproduced because once was enough. No more would man have to take a spotless, innocent lamb to the temple and slaughter that lamb's atonement for sin. No more would man struggle to satisfy the demands of the law in order to appease God. When Jesus hung on that cross, he satisfied the demands of the law. When Jesus shed his blood, it was sufficient to cover every sin ever committed. There is no sin so awful that the blood of Jesus Christ is not sufficient to cover it. Not only was his suffering sufficient, his suffering was substitutionary. Look at verse 18 again. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust. Jesus did what he did for you and for me. The prophet Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet who saw New Testament eyes wrote, all we like sheep have gone astray. 
We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Do you hear the inclusiveness in that proclamation? There is no one who could say, he did not die for me. He did not suffer for my sin. Every evil thought that has ever entered the mind of man, every evil deed that has ever been carried out by the hand of man, every evil word that has ever fallen from the lips of man, Jesus bore on his shoulders. For all, that is every single one of us, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But Jesus paid the penalty for our sins, the just for the unjust. There is no one so good he need not salvation, and there is no one so bad that he or she is beyond salvation. And the power of his sufficient substitutionary suffering grants us right standing with God. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. Now the Greek word Peter uses for bring is an incredible Greek word, and it's filled with imagery and meaning. The Greek word that Peter uses here for bring is the Greek word prosago. And it literally means to gain an audience at court or to make an introduction. In his suffering, in his vicarious death, Jesus did not simply open the door and give us access to God. Peter says he opens the door and he ushers us into the presence of God. What a powerful image. When, as a 15-year-old boy, I repented of my sin, I accepted the sacrificial death of Jesus on my behalf, and asked for him to make me part of his forever family. At that moment, Jesus took me by the hand, and he brought me into the presence of God. He said, God, this, this is Wayne. He was once separated from you. But I have paid the penalty for his sin. I died in his place. I have met the demands of the law, and I want you to know he is now part of our forever family. We have adopted him, and he now has all the rights and privileges of sonship. Wow. In his suffering, that is what Jesus Christ has done for every one of us. Out of his suffering, out of his pain, came our salvation. And Peter tells us we can be encouraged by what Christ has accomplished for us in his suffering on the cross. For Christ also died for sins once for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us to God. And that is precisely where we will pick up in the next session. On behalf of Jacob Kritzman, Larry Kelly, and the rest of our Word Power team, let me thank you for joining us today. It is our passionate purpose 
to go deeper and stay longer in God's word so that you might grow stronger and stand taller for your faith. That is why we exist. That is why this ministry exists. And we're glad you have joined us. If we've been an encouragement to you, please reach out to us. You can reach us at wordpowermm at gmx.com, wordpowermm at gmx.com, or you can simply put a comment in, whether you're watching YouTube, Instagram, or on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you to know how we have been an encouragement to you. Before uh, we leave, let me remind you the truth of God's word. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. Thanks for joining us.